Thank you, Gracie. Be sure in checking um, your bulletin. There's a lot of good stuff going on at, at church. and encourage you to be a part of that. I just say a quick word. Tonight we're continuing a new study um, that deals with looking again closely at our mission and our mission field called Culture Shift. As David and I are going to dig into the second week of this and, and encourage you uh, to come and be a blessing. We're meeting in the fellowship hall uh, tonight, so I encourage you to come. Let's jump into our text. We are in Revelation chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 4 to the end of the chapter, verse 11, uh, as we look at Him of heaven. So I encourage you to stand in God's honor. So read aloud. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there were what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne And worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say. You are worthy our Lord and God. To receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they were created. And have their being. Let's pray. Father we are here. We worship you. Help us Lord. To worship you. Father, may we just catch a glimpse of what awaits us, Lord. As you give us the joy of looking in the revelation to heaven. And I pray, Father, that uh, Father, you might lead us in the time that remains. That we would continue to offer worship to you as we have thus far. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us to this point. Please don't leave now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Death is a common experience. We don't share everything. But one out of every one person dies. Death is jointly shared. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 8, he says, You know, I prefer. Now to be at home in the body. But to be away from the body is to be with you, Lord. It's one or the other. Either we're here or we're there. And yet as you look at the scriptures, we're told that there are two choices. One is to be directly in the presence of the Lord, forgiven and in his family. Or to be separated from him and awaiting a judgment where we will be separated from him. 
forever. Talks about that in Revelation 20, verse 15. That coming judgment for those who miss the hope of Christ. I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 that remind us of the great hope that awaits us in Christ. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, the death of Christ, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You see, he came to free us who were enslaved to this constant fear of I'm going to die. What then? What will I face at that point? And see, even as we come up to that point, I love Psalm 23, where he says, For even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, that is not the place we set up our tents. That's not the place we're going to camp. That's not the place we're going to stay. We're going to keep going through. And in order for there to be a shadow, there has to be light. What's he say? He says, for though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. There is a God, and that is the light of God, the light of the world. God himself walks with us until we reach that point. What is heaven like? I know in some ways it is beyond description, and yet, We have six sightings in our text today as heaven is opened up to the Apostle John and as he gives us a brief glimpse into the glory of heaven. Actually, last week we spent some time looking at the glory of his throne, which is that wonderful first sighting that was explained. So I want to jump into the next one here in verse 4 in Revelation chapter 4. He says, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. Now, there are several explanations about these 24 other thrones. There are those that say those 24 other thrones, according to 1 Chronicles chapter 25, is speaking about the worship place of God, where there were 24 divisions of priests who are serving the Lord and leading people as priests to God. And there were 24 divisions of musicians who were leading in worship and praise to a holy God. And of course, the picture of of 24 divisions of 24 is also a picture of just a great multitude that come together for an awesome worship service with mass preaching and mass choirs. And thus that has led some to believe that this is speaking of Israel. But as we come through Revelation, verse, I mean chapter 6 through chapter 19, Israel is being disciplined as a nation. Israel is, is being cleansed and purified as it turns to the, as the nation turns to the true Messiah. So I don't believe this is speaking here 
of Israel. Secondly, there are those who think this is this is speaking about the martyred saints, those who gave their lives for Jesus Christ, who came to Christ after the rapture, after the church was sent to heaven. Yet we come to chapter 7 of Revelation, and the saints are already there. So I don't think it's speaking of the martyred saints. And there are others that say, well, these are angels that are seated near the throne room of God. These who worship. And that's tempting. But angels are never described as elders. The elder is a leader in the church of God. One who God has commissioned and called to serve him. In 1 Timothy 5.17, it says the elders of the church who direct the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. This word elder, it's literally the word that we get our word Presbyterian from. Matter of fact, I heard about a little girl, her Presbyterian church, she went to Sunday school and they covered this section of scripture. She came home and her mother said, well, what did you learn in Sunday school? She said, well, we studied the book of Revelation and we found out that in heaven there are only 24 Presbyterians. There ain't 24 Presbyterians. No, there are at least 24 Presbyterians. It's about Jesus, not denominations. <laughs> Regardless if you're Presbyterian or Methodist or, or whatever. It's, a, it's about Christ who is there. But notice it said... Didn't even mention any Baptists being up there. They were probably nearby having potlucks. <laughs> Didn't quite get in. Now that I've managed to offend the Baptists and any Presbyterians that are visiting, I want to move on here. There's another difficulty, though, regarding angels. Why well, I don't believe this text is speaking about angels. Notice it says here they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold. On their heads. There's no mention in the scriptures. Of angels. Having crowns. But there is. There is revelation. There is truth that is revealed. About the people of God. His church. Having crowns. Look back in chapter 3. As God makes this promise. To the church. He says in verse 11. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have. So that no one will take your crown. That's to the church in Philadelphia. Representative of the church of Jesus Christ. Those who are faithful to him will receive a crown. So it's not talking about angels. So that leads us to one place. I believe that these elders, this multitude is speaking about the church. You see, we talked about death and that we're all headed toward death. There's one other way out of here. And it's the rapture. It's at that time where God will come in a twinkling of an eye and we will meet Him in the sky. And that is what has occurred. And this is where they went. They went to heaven. And, and so God's people are there and they're having a worship service. We might think we have a worship service. This is worship service, man. We're talking holy goosebumps and the whole rattle. More than we can imagine. This is a personal type. Of worship. Look at the last verse here. He says you. Are worthy. This is not talking about just any God. This is talking about our God. 
The God of Jesus Christ. That God. Jesus Himself. And it says that they're robed in white garments. Look back also in Revelation 3 verse 4. Talking to the those in Sardis who had not sold their clothes faithful to Christ. He said, they will walk with me dressed in white. For they are worthy. He who overcomes will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life. But will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. Another picture, another proof that this is talking about the church of Jesus Christ. As we worship him. Now, third, I want you to see this phenomena. Surrounding the throne of God. Look at the first part of verse 5 of chapter 4. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. The text itself, when it says from the throne, is giving us the picture that this comes from God himself. Not just from the place where he sits. This thunder. This rumbling. From the throne of God. And it is a picture of the holiness of God. Guys, this is a picture. Not not of God who is weak. But God who is judge of all. It, It gives a similar picture to Mount Sinai. The place where the Ten Commandments were given. We're told in the scriptures of the Old Testament that that the skies were darkened and there was thunder. And there was a, a shaking among the people because of the great holiness of God. That was evident. But you know what I like here, guys? Um, even though there was a judgment that was coming. And there's that picture here. Matter of fact, let me just read this. Is from turn over a couple chapters to Revelation chapter six, which is just around the corner as we start looking at the judgments which will fall upon the world. It says in verse sixteen of Revelation six, they called to the mountains and the rocks, "Fall on us and hide from us the face of Him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb." For the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? You see, there is a fear. There is a dread of these people who have pushed God aside. Who have not submitted to His hope in Jesus Christ. And that judgment is around the corner. But that's not what's happening up here in heaven. These people aren't afraid. These people aren't scared. These people aren't in terror. Do you know why? Because they've been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. They're wearing that crown which says they are victorious. And it's not the victorious of their own works. But by the perfect work of Jesus Christ that was fully completed at Calvary. Alright, let's move on to this next setting. Number four. The fourth setting in the second part of verse five is the Holy Spirit. Notice here in our text. It says, before the throne seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. We looked at Isaiah eleven two in chapter 1, verse 4, when it mentions 
the Holy Spirit. The number seven is a perfect number. This is talking about the perfect spirit, which is the spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit. And it is a picture that we see near the end of the book of Revelation where the Holy Spirit will be the prosecuting attorney as he will stand before the people of the world. And he says, why? Why should you be forgiven? As you stand in judgment, what is your case? I love reading about World War II. Winston Churchill was quite a character. And many times I'm in awe of his leadership. But in this one point, I was frightened for him. My heart burdened as I read about him when he said, One day I'm going to meet my maker. And and here's his words. He said, uh, I'm ready to meet my maker. Whether my maker is prepared for the great ordeal of meeting me is another matter. What are you talking about? You are a great man here, but you are nothing compared to God. None of us are. What is man that you are mindful of him? You know, we're called a vapor or mist, pierce for a little while, and then we vanish. You see, the Holy Spirit is not a picture here of an illuminating candle or or a, a gentle dove. But this is a picture of judgment, of a burning fire, as it talks about in Judges 7 and Nahum chapter 2. Okay, another sighting. Fifth sighting. John makes the observation of a sea of glass. Look at verse 6. Also before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. There is this picture that looks like an expansive sea of glass, which gives a reflection. Matter of fact, I want to read to you some words of a, from one commentary I read. Uh, in the writing, he said that this reminded him that a good architect will often put a fountain or a pool of water in front of a building which immediately doubles the beauty of it by reflecting it during the day and during the night time will again double the light that comes from it. In other words, the glorious splendor of God is not only seen, it is doubly seen by way of reflection. And this great reflection upon the glory of God, upon His majesty, upon the worship of God, Led to wonderful praise. Now, one more here. The sighting of these strange angelic creatures. Look at verse 6 of our text. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. They were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Uh, These were probably cherubim, the highest order of angelic beings, which we read about in the Scripture. When most people think about cherubs, they think of these little angels that look like babies flying around with a bow and arrow. You know, bing, you're in love now. Bing, you're in love too. But that is not a picture, although it works good on a card, love card. It's not a picture of a cherub from Scripture. Uh, Here's a couple of examples. In the Garden of Eden, 
cherub, cherubim were used to be guards to keep Adam and Eve from returning to the Garden of Eden. In Exodus 26, verse 31, the angelic forms of the cherubim were sculpted out of solid gold with their wings touching over the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle. In Exodus 26, 1, forms of the cherubim were woven into the veil of the Holy of Holies. In 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 29, we read that cherubim were engraved in the walls of Solomon's majestic temple. And then in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 14, we read that they stand ready for God's personal orders. You see, the, the trouble with other people's visions of angels, I can understand. But when I look in the scriptures, it just blows my mind. As I, I look at who they are. And, and this description of them, this description of what they were like... There's so much commentary on these. I'm not smart enough even to get into all of that. Uh, I will say this. uh, In Revelation 6.1, they are the ones that call the four horsemen into action. Who give out the verdict of God's judgment. And in chapter 15, they are the ones who give the seven angels their bowls to pour out wrath on this planet. Some have made this comparison. They say when he talks about the lions, talk about wild creatures, talking about the ox or the calf represent domestic animals, talking about man represents the pinnacle of God's creation, talking about the eagle represents flying creatures. Still others say, hey, this speaks about attributes. Uh, the lion is talking about the nobility and the majesty, and, and the servant strength is of the ox, and mankind represents reason, and the eagle is swiftness. But I want you to notice what these majestic angels, the highest of angels, what they're doing. As we look in our text, each of the four living creatures, it says, day and night, they never stop saying. This is the praise of heaven. As these majestic creatures, messengers of God, this is what they say over and over Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. You know what I thought of? I thought about Moses. Remember when he was at the burning bush? And he says, who are you? And and from the fire, God would speak. And he said, I am. You know what that translates to? He's the God who was, who is. And is to come. And once again in total worship. These angels are saying over and over again. I want you to recognize him. He is the God who was. He is the God who is. And he is the God who is to come. He is the one who deserves our full allegiance. Our full worship. And everything that we can offer. He deserves. And I want you to notice what happens. This is good. Verse 10. The 24 elders fall down before him. Well, what do you expect? Right? Fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne. Man! 
what I've done is not worth bragging to you about because it's really small. But when it's in the form of a crown, when my faithfulness is in the form of a crown, it's not something for me to say, hey guys, look at this. Woohoo! Look at Todd's little crown. Probably more like a ring. But anyway, look at Todd's little crown. That's not what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to lay it at his feet. That's what's happening. It becomes an act of worship. All that I have given, all that I have done, all it's for you, Jesus. And I'm laying it there before you. It is worship. That don't get you excited. Check your pulse. All right. He, he says in here, we praise Him because of who He is and we praise Him because of what He has done. Look at verse 11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. and By your will, they were created and have their being. Now, I thought, you know what? It doesn't hurt to get a little practice, right? So I thought, you know, we're going to be worshiping God for these words. So I'd ask the guys to put the verse up there. And what I want us to do, let's do it, say, four times. Let's start out with a quiet, I say a whisper, but low tone. But man, let's work our way up in volume each time. It's all right if I hear us out there. Somebody might get saved. <laughs> but anyway, all right, let's start out slow. Ready? You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. A little louder. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Louder. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will that we're created and have their being. Let's worship, church. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Amen. All right, I close with this. Steve Lawson tells in one of his books that he went on a tour overseas to a temple of Buddha. And he said it was the most ornate place that he had ever visited. The workmanship, the craftsmanship, the gold. It was just incredibly impressive. He leaned over to one of the monks and he said to him, How much did all this cost? And the monk whispered back, Cost? What cost? We don't think of cost when it comes to Buddha. May we not think of sacrifice and cost when it comes to Jesus. When it comes to our Lord. Because we don't worship a dead man 
whose bones are in a coffin somewhere. But we worship the living Lord of all, the resurrected one. Amen. And he sits on a throne where there are sounds of thunder and there's light of glory and creatures encircle him. And where we, the redeemed, say, you are worthy. Matter of fact, I love that old gospel song memory says it won't be old Buddha who's sitting on the throne and it won't be old Muhammad that's calling us home it won't be Harry Krishna who plays that trumpet tune because we're going to see the sun not Reverend Moon (laughs) Amen you know what Uh, we need to sing and have a get ready to move on to a closing but God might want to do something at the altar so let's have a word of prayer we're going to sing a song of invitation Father Thank you for giving us just a glimpse, Lord. How good to know that in Jesus we will meet you and not face judgment. For you faced the judgment at Calvary. And by turning to you, we are turned away from judgment. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray this morning if someone's missed that and they need forgiveness and you start, this is the time to do it. To say yes to Jesus. To say, enter my heart. Forgive my sin. Make me new. This is the time to come to this altar. This holy ground. And and to pray. And and to seek for hope. From the only one who can give us hope. So this altar is open for those who need to come. Father, we just want this time to be holy. May you be honored. In Christ's name.